Hello, and welcome back to Current Account. I'm your host, Clay Lowry, the Executive Vice President here at the Institute of International Finance. On Current Account, I try to talk about what I see as some of the most important current issues in international finance and economics, while providing my own U.S. political and policy angle on these different issues. This week, I want to take a look at a meeting that's going to be taking place in France at the end of the week. It's called the Summit for a New Global Financing Pact, and it's going to be taking place on June 22nd and June 23rd. It is a summit that was called together by the president of France, Emmanuel Macron, back in November of 2022. He said that he called it together because he had seen that with the G20 and the COP meetings, that there just needed to be a little more focus on some of the problems that exist in the lower income countries. Since 2019, we have seen a worldwide rise in poverty, not a decrease, but a rise. We have seen an increase in the number of climate-related disasters. We have seen an increase in the number of people that are undernourished, and we have clearly seen an increase in countries that are in debt distress. So President Macron is trying to bring together leaders from around the world to try to look at these issues, shine a spotlight on it, and see whether or not progress can be made. A number of the areas that they're going to be looking at are areas we've tried to cover in the past, such as multilateral development bank reform, finding blended finance solutions to help address the climate change problems, looking at debt relief solutions, and finding new financing mechanisms. Overall, the French political leaders have said that they are looking to try to find in the lower income countries ways that we can restore fiscal space, foster private sector development, encourage investment in green infrastructure, and mobilize innovative finance. Now, let me just say something cynical. I've worked on these issues for about 30 years, and those are roughly the same talking points that I've heard for roughly 30 years. So why now? And I think that the main reason is one I mentioned earlier, which is the worldwide rise in poverty. And this is a lot of this comes out of what happened because of COVID, where it threw the world economy into problems. And while the developed countries could deal with it a lot through stimulus from the fiscal side, as well as from the monetary side, it was much, much more difficult for lower income countries. And then to add on to that, many of these countries are both energy and food importers. And Russia's invasion of Ukraine made this an extremely tough problem. So how do we start addressing it in a more concrete way and not just using some of my cynical talking points? One way of doing this is to try to gather leaders together. And that's what President Macron has done. And he will have leaders from Germany, Brazil, Mozambique, Barbados, and many others, as well as people from international organizations such as the World Bank, the IMF, the United Nations, and of course, some of the key philanthropic leaders such as the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, as well as many others. From the United States, President Biden will not be going, but he'll be represented by his finance minister, Janet Yellen and his climate envoy, John Kerry. Since I last talked about some of the issues that are going to be addressed at this conference, there has been some progress, but it's been pretty minor, which is understandable. These are, as I, I've mentioned before in previous podcasts, trying to deal with debt relief issues is complicated. So there are meetings going on right now to try to work through some of the complicated issues related with debt relief, such as how do you define comparability of treatment, which is actually quite difficult to do. And there's lots of disagreement about how to do it. 
where there's been less progress, frankly, is how do you actually speed the process up? How do you get countries through a debt relief process? Hopefully, there will be progress made on this in the future. I don't see how that will be made in the Paris meetings, but it's important for the conversations to continue. On MDB reform, as we have said in the past, this is also complicated, and there are different viewpoints. And I think that getting together with some of the lower-income countries as well as the developed countries and having conversations through these issues is going to be important. Same goes for blended finance areas, where there are different viewpoints. And while people keep clamoring for this to make progress, these are just very tricky issues. The one issue I thought I would try to focus in on a little bit more is on something called SDR allocation. And the reason I'm focusing on it is because the French government has said that this is something that they hope to deliver upon this week. Now, what is an SDR allocation? SDRs are known as special drawing rights. It's an asset that is created by the IMF. That's the International Monetary Fund. An SDR have existed for a long time. It's the way that actually IMF participants, which are sovereign nations, exchange with each other. Now, what does that mean? If you have an allocation of special drawing rights, you can use them to swap for hard currency. Currency such as the dollar or the euro or the yen or the yuan. These are currencies that are allowed to be swapped for with the SDR. And then so you can use that for things such as building your reserves to make sure that you can handle financial issues. But you could also use it for other things as well, including potentially even for development finance. During the COVID crisis, the IMF proposed and it was approved by its member states a special allocation of SDRs, $650 billion roughly. I say roughly because they're actually allocated in a currency called SDRs, which you can't buy anything with, but basically it has a value made up of different currencies. But it was roughly $650 billion. This happened in 2021. It was actually controversial in the United States, which I'll get back to in a second. But the main problem with the SDR allocation is a number of people see it as a good financing vehicle to help poor people, or it could be done to help climate change, or it's creation of money from nothing, essentially. The problem is, is that it actually is allocated based on your size of your economy. So the United States got the biggest amount of SDRs. The United States, quite frankly, doesn't need SDRs. And so if you take a look at after the $650 billion, the United States received in SDR allocation roughly three to four times as much as the whole continent of Africa, which is made up of 50-something countries. So you just get an idea of like the United States received roughly $112, $113 billion, and the continent of Africa received somewhere between $30 and $35 billion. So then the next step was, could you do something that's really not ever happened before, despite everybody thinking that it, it's very easy to do, which is to reallocate those SDRs. Now, what does that mean? To reallocate would basically be to take the SDRs that you have and to almost put them back somewhere and use that money for a development assistance project. Now, the main way of doing that, 
theoretically, is you could take the SDRs and you could provide them to the World Bank, or you could provide them back to the IMF, but you'd use them for specific purposes for low-income countries. In other words, it's foreign assistance. Now, it's foreign assistance that theoretically could be used and done by a number of countries because lots of countries got SDRs. So if all developed countries put some portion of their SDR allocation back in, you could actually raise a decent amount of money to provide to lower income countries who only got very small portions of SDR allocations. So that sounds fairly straightforward, but it's actually quite complicated. In the history of the IMF, any time we have had SDR allocations, and it's happened a few times, there has hardly ever been a case where anybody has put back their SDRs into a reallocation formula. We have a few examples, but it's not very many. And it's never been done in a kind of robust worldwide basis. So the French are going to be trying to push for that type of thing. So now we're going to turn to something I always say at the start of my podcast, which is politics. And here we're going to go back to the United States. So the United States did receive the most in SDR allocation, but it was done in a way that was controversial. The Biden administration was able to do the allocation without going to Congress for its approval. People in Congress don't like that idea. Let's be honest about it. Particularly when you're not sure if you actually agree with the policy. And many Republicans weren't sure they agreed with the policy. Now, why didn't they agree with the policy? In one respect, they're worried that could it be somewhat inflationary? Not sure that it really is. But of course, it's hard to say that there hasn't been inflation in the United States. There's been tons of it. And there's been tons of global inflation as well. It's hard to blame that on an SDR allocation. But nevertheless, the point is still there. Second. There are countries that receive SDRs that the United States has very poor relations with. The one country that springs to mind is Iran, but then there's another country now, Russia, which also received SDRs. What do you do with those? They're IMF members. They can basically swap their SDRs out with other countries for dollars or euros or what have you. How do you deal with that issue? And third, I think, is probably just more... If this is so important, why wouldn't you come to Congress and receive approval as opposed to do this on your own? And probably fourth is the argument that this seems like you're doing a lot of work to create something when the main beneficiaries are very wealthy countries already that don't need that benefit. To change that, the Biden administration has asked to reallocate a portion of those SDRs to kind of these projects to help poor countries. And it is stuck within the Congress. And I'm not sure it's going to get unstuck. Part of it is probably a little bit of Republicans feeling that the Democrats poisoned the well. And so they don't want to play ball. That is the simplest way I could put it. Part of it is because they do worry that there's very little transparency And part of it is in order to reallocate, you need to appropriate funds for it. So in other words, you don't just have to come up with an authorization, which you do in this case, but you also have to appropriate money. You have to basically take a budgetary hit in order to provide that financing. It doesn't mean that Republicans are against providing foreign assistance, although some are. 
It just means that they don't like this methodology because they don't like the way it was arrived in the first place. So all of this brings us back to what is supposed to happen in Paris. In Paris, the hope is that there will be $100 billion, roughly, of SDRs allocated that will be able to go towards low-income countries. But if the United States doesn't participate, which it can't participate right now because there is no congressional authorization, let alone appropriation, then that $100 billion is going to go down by some amount. Could France put pressure, not just France, but other countries put pressure on the United States to do its part? Of course it can. And they will. The question is, is doesn't matter. And the reason I say that is because sometimes people forget politics actually can triumph over a policy issue or a diplomatic issue. And so if the political winds have basically said, we're not doing this because of the way we've been treated in the past, then even though it may be the right thing to do or maybe even the right policy, it's hard sometimes for actors to overcome that. And so I think that we'll see some of that play out this coming week in France. So now it's time for my three, two, one. That's my three main takeaways, two things I'm looking forward to in my one sports fact. My three main takeaways, the first is the French are hosting a major summit this coming week in Paris to try to address and deal with some of the toughest issues around providing financing for low-income countries. Next, we will hear some of the themes that we heard about in the spring IMF World Bank meetings, and we'll hear about again in Marrakesh in October during the IMF World Bank meetings, as well as the IIF meetings, on issues such as debt relief, MDB reform, blended finance, and how do you mobilize greater private sector finance to help poor countries out. And third, we are likely to see commitments on reallocating special drawing rights to poor countries. But I would just warn you that those commitments may not be as worth as much as they say on paper. Two things that I'm looking forward to. First is the summit itself. I wish nothing but a very productive summit, and I hope it goes extremely well. I commend the French for coming up with such a good idea, and hopefully they will make some serious progress on some of these financing needs. And next is whether or not the Biden administration can work with the Republicans in the House of Representatives to see whether or not, if you can't do something on SDRs, are there other mechanisms that can be used to try to provide some of the financing that's going to be needed for low-income countries who face a number of crises. And now my one sports fact. For those of you who have listened to my podcast in the past, you probably realize that I love firsts or new things that happen in the world of sports. So I love the fact that the Denver Nuggets won the NBA championship for their first time. And it turns out the longest period of time between being initiated into the NBA and actually winning the championship, 46 years in their case. I love the fact that the Vegas Golden Knights won the Stanley Cup in hockey, and it was one of the shortest times from joining the NHL. It was six years after they joined until they won their first championship. And I love that Novak Djokovic is the first man to ever win 23 Grand Slams. Two women have done it, Serena Williams and Margaret Smith Court. But the sport I want to focus on this week is horse racing. Now, 
Casual fans of horse racing will know about the Triple Crown, which is the biggest race in sports. The Kentucky Derby, the Preakness Stakes, and the Belmont Stakes here in the United States. The last of which recently took place in Belmont, New York. But what I wanted to talk about this week was not the winning horse, Arcangelo, but instead the winning trainer, Jaina Antonucci, as she is the first woman to ever train a Triple Crown race winning horse. We have had other firsts in horse racing for women. The owner of probably the greatest horse ever, Secretariat, was a woman. We've had a triple crown jockey, who's the person obviously who rides the horse, Julie Crone. Antonucci will certainly be looked at within the same level of those incredibly impressive pioneers. As a trainer, essentially she is the head coach of the horse. She helps provide the right diet. She helps provide, how do you think about the horse race itself? What is the strategy to win? How do you make sure the horse is in the best shape? And how does the jockey figure out how to deal with the horse? It's a very taxing job. And in some respects, maybe the most important people in horse racing are the trainers. It's great to see what Antonucci did. And just to make sure you you can hear from her, here's some advice for all barrier breakers, not just those in horse racing. Never give up, and if you can't find a seat at the table, make your own table. Kind of got to like that attitude. Anyway, that's going to wrap up this episode of Current Account. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback on the show as we constantly look to improve and enhance the experience for you, the listener. We can be reached at podcast at IIF.com, and all our episodes can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thanks for listening, and goodbye. Goodbye.